Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. My name is Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. Tonight, we're doing a special NHL Draft Lottery special. Zach Devine is coming in. Dana Lane is coming in. Um, as always, I'm joined by Chris Lisa. Chris, good day to you, sir. Oh, my God. What a wild last uh, Are you kidding me? In, in, the, in the NHL, I was like... Uh, you know, I had my J.G. Peugeot jersey on for that lottery, thinking it might uh, might bring the Islanders so good luck, but it uh, wasn't meant to be for my Isles or your Kings. But boy, oh boy, uh, what what a I mean, three teams uh, outside you know, the bottom three. Uh, yeah, you well, you guys have to slide down a few spots. Yeah, the Vegas gets the worst possible spot it could have got, which in one respect I'm kind of happy with if uh, if they had somehow won. The draft lottery, can you, Twitter storm we would have had to uh, put up with for the next month would have been insane and uh, just as good, <laughs> just as good with me. I didn't have to hear fix, fix, fix uh, all the way along, all the way along until the draft goes off. So, um, no, three teams, three teams out of the top 10, I believe, move up into the top three. Um, cra- crazy draft. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, a little four-goal night for Peugeot with a double OT winner. Not uh, not too shabby. I saw Ottawa, Ottawa Senators tweeted out, Peugeot, Peugeot, Peugeot. Um, with, uh, I don't know if you can quite put it in the Stefan Mateau category, but still quite the performance by him. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I was running around, and I had to do a couple errands. I'm like, it was five minutes ago in the game, so it was a two-goal lead. The way Lundqvist has played these playoffs, and I, you know, I was in and out of that game. It's been a really hectic day, and we had the show tonight. So uh, I think, well, this is, gonna, this is what I expected. It's going to be a seven-game series. Um, and then uh, I come home, and uh, I just went on the computer. I'm like, oh, what was, what was the final score? I'm like, it's going on. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Uh, what a what a brutal 
that's probably the worst playoff loss since the Leafs lost Game Seven to the Bruins, and uh, we'll have to see how the the you know the, the Rangers respond. I will say, and as you know, I am not a fan, but I will say that is a very resilient team and has been for the last few years. So, uh, as much as uh, that game is just you know as, as bad as the the, the Montreal game was game two to the Montreal that tied the series. You can say this one. This one was ten times worse. But yeah, uh, sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't shovel anything on them. I. I, I still believe this could be a, a long series. Uh, I picked Ottawa in seven, but uh, uh, I still think it's going to be a long series. So, uh, and I'm sure Ottawa. Uh, they're not going to get their heads up too, too high. Well, with that, let's welcome our first guest of the night, Zachary Devine. He contributes to the Hockey Writers for the San Jose Sharks page. Also does a lot of work with the draft and the amateur look-aheads on Darvish Prospects and HockeyProspects.com. Zach, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. How are you doing? Wow, what a uh, what a crazy draft. Have you seen anything like this in the last, say, 10 or 15 years? Or how, at least, you know what, however long they've been doing the lottery, three outside the top 10 jump into the top three. Um, crazy crazy yeah. night for the lottery. Yeah, that was, you know, it's obviously a first. Uh, they've, they've only been doing the, the three-team, you know, full lottery uh, for the last right, right. Uh, couple of years. Um, but you know, this is this is what I think the NHL had in mind the entire time, where you know tanking and and tearing down your team, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you're you're gonna get there. For the Avalanche, how smart or how fortunate really is Joe Sakic that he didn't move Gabriel Landeskog and Matt Duchesne now? Right. You, you know, right. those, well, those me... guys were on the block for sure. Well, let me read off the list for those uh, anybody listening who didn't actually catch the show on TV. New Jersey moves up and takes the number one spot. Philly moves up, takes the number two spot. Our good friend Matt Pryor's Dallas Stars jumps into the top three. And then Colorado, like you said, had the worst record overall. They fall to four. I think that was the worst they could have possibly done. Vancouver falls. Right. Uh, Vancouver takes the five spot. Vegas falls down to the sixth spot, which is the worst they could have possibly done. Um, poor Arizona, they dropped to number seven. Uh, Buffalo, I think, dropped a couple spots into the eighth slot. Detroit, their first uh, their first ever NHL lottery, uh, they picked ninth. And then rounding out the 15, we go Florida, the Kings, Carolina, Winnipeg, and then Tampa and New York uh, held form in 14 and 15. So take this. I, I did notice today that you dropped uh, Nolan Patrick out of your number one overall pick in your in your uh, draft rankings. Uh, take us through that right. little that process you went through and what caused you to elevate Nico up into the number one spot. You know, for most of the last couple of months, really after World Juniors, uh, we're at, at World Juniors. I had Nico Hersher at, at number two. Um, I was pretty early on that train coming through and seeing what he's done with a, with a really um, inexperienced Halifax Moosehead, seeing what he's done at the U18, seeing what he did in, in the QMJHL playoffs. I, I had Nolan Patrick ahead by an eyelash in March. And I feel like that eyelash has just flipped. I, both of these skaters, you know, they're going to be, great centers i i don't think they're going to be franchise top centers but i think that 
out of that pairing, Nico has the best uh, outside chance at that. I really see Nolan Patrick as a really dependable number two centerman. Um, right. You need those. You need depth down, you know, down the middle. No team is going to to win anything without a solid one, two, three uh, down down the center position. They're they're just not. So Nolan Patrick is is going to address some needs, but really uh, his year ending up with the Devils. That's probably the best spot for both him and New Jersey. Um, they need some playmaking ability there. They've got some some players on the wing, obviously. Uh, Hall brought over his Oilers uh, lottery winning ways with him to New Jersey. Um, so yeah. now we know what caused all those balls to fall for, for the Oilers. Um, but I, I think that's a great landing spot. <laughs> no I think kidding. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's a very natural fit there uh, for for Nico to, to be heading out to New Jersey. I think that that's where he's going to land. And I I think that, like I said, that addresses a team need. He's the best player in the draft. It just checks a lot of boxes, and they need him. Now, uh, does Nolan Patrick, he had a, a bit of the injury bug this, uh, this season on and off, on and off throughout the year. Does that do you think that plays into into mind um, going forward on you know deciding on a Nico over a Nolan with that thin of a difference? You know, I don't think so. You know, Nolan Patrick was just a couple of days away from being in last year's draft. He's one of the oldest players in the 2017. He's played over 200 games of memory serves in the WHL. He has a body of work. He had a body of work coming into this season. This the the sports hernia injury that he had um that's um that's a concern um you know it's going to be something that uh i think teams are going to have to look into they're going to have to do their due diligence but players are coming uh you know back from from all types of injuries you know shoulders knees um hernias hip surgeries and goalies you know Surgeons have just come so far, um, and it, it's whatever the injury is. He's young; he's gonna recover from it. You know, th- there's there's really no problem. I think as long as he's fully recovered, he has had the injury bug, but again, he's got so many games of experience. He's been on the radar for years. I, I don't think it's really moving the needle all that much. Maybe a bit for some. For me, it really didn't. I guess the only thing that would really uh, would really move the needle, as you put it, would be uh, head injuries. If if a player has sustained a few of those in juniors, regardless of skill, that might be something you need some baseline testing on before you bring him in that high in the draft. Um, so that puts that puts Patrick uh, uh, Philadelphia. Um, is that going to be a good fit there? I think so. You know, they've got a, a very stout defense. He's going to join a, a excellent and, and you know, you Good have young. Good your young top player. center. Right. And you already have your top center in Philadelphia. I think that's right. a very uh, nice landing spot for Nolan Patrick, where I think he's going to play to his strengths um, and really be able to bring that two-way, effective, um, mature game as soon as next year. I think both uh, Nico and Nolan probably get a long look next year. I wouldn't be surprised if either were sent back, um, but I think they, 
I think they have the best chance to stick. Well, let me let me let me bring Chris into the fold here as we go a little bit further down in the picks. Uh, go ahead and jump in, Chris. Hey, Zach. Great to have you back on the show again. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about uh, Patrick and Fischler uh, first, and, and rightfully so, right? They're the top tier. Uh, then we get into the next wave, if you will, and talk uh, in your mind, who is the next grouping of players before it kind of levels off, and how much of a battle is it for that, you know, three spot, four spot, five or let's say even six spot? Um, uh, what group of players you have in there? And uh, are you settled on number three? I know you have the rankings, but uh, how much are right. we here? Though? How many eyelash? How many eyelash separations do we have going on there? Um, I, I think that's the first tier. Uh, you know, I think you have one and two, Nico Hersher uh, and Nolan Patrick, and those two, depending on what you have for breakfast and um, how much coffee you've had, you know, that could be one or two for a lot of people. Um, this is a really fun year, you know, for folks that follow the draft and put their rankings out because there is no consensus. You have people all over the place. Um, you know, some people get really mad when people challenge their rankings. I don't mind. If we all agreed, what would be the point? Um, you know, there'd be no point for an NHL draft or anything like that. Just start assigning players. Um, really, that next tier for me, I think, is is really four deep. I have Elias Pedersen, who I watched quite a bit with Timra uh, over there in Sweden. He's a big, rangy, uh, playmaking center. He's got great visions, a lot of offensive creativity. He's rail thin, though, at 161 pounds. He's going to be a traditional uh, prospect that, you know, you're going to need some time. He's going to need to put on some some muscle, some mass before he's able to compete. But I love the offensive upside that he brings. Uh, Casey Middlestat would be my number four um, in that second tiering. I, like a lot of other folks, I was a little disappointed. He decided to go back uh, to high school for a shot at a high school championship. But, you know, he checks a lot of boxes. He was um, – he was okay this summer at the National Junior Evaluation Camp where I, I got to see him live for a couple of days. But, you know, in video, he, he's definitely taken some steps. He's been really solid with Green Bay um, after his high school season uh, left. Uh, at seven, I have the top defender in this draft is Miro Hiskinen, and that's going to be really the key. Um, you look at where some of these teams that, that fell – that really need some defensive help, like the Buffalo Sabres, the NHL, uh, or excuse me, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I was going to their hashtag. I use it so much. Um, but <laughs> those guys could be making moves to jump up there at Hiskinen. Um, that's where I think it's going to get interesting. Um, who jumps up and, and gets in the Miro Hiskinen lottery? He's part of that second tier. Um, and then Cody Glass, he's the last player in – uh, in that tier. He's also really thin, but he's at 6'2". I've seen him quite a bit up in Portland dating back to last year. The strides that he's made uh, and can, you know, all season long on an exceptionally young Portland team that was supposed to rebuild, I just don't think you could discount. Uh, really smart, bright young man. You, you speak to him, and um, he's he's got the off-ice stuff on lock. Uh, I would have no problem taking him uh, as a potential top six centerman uh, for any of my squads. Now, if you're you know, the Dallas Stars, sitting at 
three. Um, is that too high of a spot to take the best defenseman in the draft? Because that's you got to figure that's where Dallas is thinking all along going in at number three. Um, they 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 need help on the back end for sure. Um, is that too high a spot to take him? And would they consider moving down and taking the Swedish defenseman? I think Lilligren. Is that is that the next guy? Uh, for me, the next defender is actually two tiers down. Uh, I have kind of. It's almost its own defensive tier. I have uh, Yusuf Alamaki, Robin Salo, Kale Marker, and Timothy Lilligren um, kind of in the mid-teens, uh, well, starting at 16 and going to 19. I, I feel like Hiskinen is the clear-cut number one. I don't think there's okay. another defender in his tier. So if Dallas is going for a defender, uh, that's – that's who they would go. And it's in that tier. And a lot of this draft, I think you're going to hear it from the general managers. And as you know, we get closer to the NHL draft, a lot of teams are going to be talking about who they like, um, you know, where they like them. It's not so much where a team values a player, but it's understanding where other teams around them also value a player. So let's say Dallas really feels that um, Yusuf Alamaki is the number one defender in this draft bar none. But they also know that perhaps uh, the Sabres think that it's Hiskinen. Why would you take your number one when you could trade back a couple spots and still get your guy, pick up additional assets? You know, th that's where the real work for the front office begins. Sorry to cut you off, Chris. Go ahead and come back in, sir. Yeah. I apologize. Uh, no, no worries. That's a good question. Um, as you know, my compadre here, Mr. Warner, has been saying, Zach, the last couple of months, and I and uh, I think he, based on where Vegas fits, maybe this is a blessing in disguise, that he feels that Vegas would be best suited to trade back uh, a few, you know, few spots, pick up uh, some valuable draft picks. Now they're sitting in that sixth spot. What do you think of that uh, scenario of if you're George McPhee? First of all, if you're George McPhee and you're sitting at six and you're starting a franchise and you know what kind of, you know, following George McPhee's career as a GM, is there a player in that range that jumps out to you that's a George McPhee player? And two, would you think it would be a wise move for Vegas to fly back, let's say, four, five, six spots and pick up some uh, early second pick, early second round picks? I'm not sure which teams have two first round picks, but pick up some valuable picks. Um, I'm, I'm going to break this down in, in, in a couple ways. One, uh, the player that I think uh, he both fits for Las Vegas, I think he's a, a George McPhee player, and he's ranked number six for me is Cody Glass. Um, you know, I spoke a little bit about him just a moment ago, but he just strikes me as a player that is going to be able um, to deal well mentally with uh, what's going on. Uh, with, you know, in Las Vegas. Um, I like his skill set. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of offensive firepower uh, or creativity available for Vegas in the expansion draft. So I feel that Cody Glass is the last player of that second tier. Vegas holds the last pick in that tier. So I don't know if I would trade back from there. You bring up a very good point about some extra picks, you know, stocking the cupboard. I mean, truly outside of one player, the cupboard is completely bare top to bottom, right? Um, <laughs> but I think that enough teams are going to uh, 
be sending assets Vegas's way to either not pick a player or pick a player. Um, they're going to be getting a lot of sweeteners uh, coming up here in the next couple of months that I'm not, I'm not sure that I would um, trade back from a, uh, to, to get additional assets with a number six pick, you know, the, the top end of the first round is where you look at your difference makers in the NHL and the vast majority come, uh, you know, the further up the first round you go, the better your chances are of landing one of those. Um, I just don't think I would move off of six for um, for Las Vegas at all. Well, let me go ahead and bring in Dana Lane. He's on the line here. Oh. Dana, good up. Oh, I must have lost him. Okay. Well, so, I had him here. So go ahead, Chris. So uh, before I hand you off to, to Mark, there, Zach. Uh, so that's where the separation is. After six, so for if you're George McPhee, someone's gonna have to give you a heck of a draft pick offer that probably is going to involve, you know, uh, maybe uh, you're going to have to give me a move back. I'm going to have to wind up with two ones this year. Maybe you're one next year to to uh, to relinquish, uh, to move uh, down to that next tier of players, is what you're saying. Um, the only way I would possibly even consider moving number six is if one of the teams that you're looking at that are going to be uh, back in the draft lottery will give you their 2018 uh, first round pick, which would be non-lottery protected, meaning if they won the lottery, you get their pick no matter what. 2018 is shaping up to be an absolutely stupendous draft. Uh, I think any team moving back into 2018, especially the top half of 2018, is very wise. So if... Um, I don't think Colorado is going to turn around anytime soon. I don't think Vancouver is going no. to turn around anytime soon. So if one of those teams came to me and said, you know what, we just picked, but we got another guy we really love, we'll give you our 2018, that that might make me listen. Um, but I would need some other assets as well. Um, you know, but I again, you're coming in with a brand new franchise trying to get, you know, interest and intrigue and headlines there's just too much for Vegas, I think, to move off this sixth spot. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That's I always look at drafts and and I want to know, you know, where is where do you draw the lines? You know, so the first line's at after two, yeah. the second line's after six. So uh, uh, I'm gonna hand you back. Yeah. Well, I have a couple more for you. We're gonna hand you over back to Mark. Yeah, and after that, I would probably say <laughs> ten again. Um, you know, okay. The, the top ten. Just um, after Owen Tippett, I feel like it, it gets a little murkier, um, and then it would probably break down right after uh, Kristen Veselainen, or excuse me, Jared Anderson Nolan at 15, and then probably after uh, Maxime Coutois at, at 21. That would be the next tier. So um, that's kind of where I'm breaking them down. Uh, but and but even within those groups, you're going to have people that have them in different tiers and, and different rankings altogether. Gotcha. Okay, well let's go down and and once you get into that third tier, it's always the it's always the question, right? Do you, are you looking at best available? Are you looking at need uh, or a combination when you get down out of the you know the obvious first couple of tiers? So when you do get when you do get down to uh, Let's say where Arizona and and 
even if Buffalo doesn't move, Detroit, Florida, and LA, um, how much? How, let's. How much depth into that third are we? Are we looking at anybody who's going to play in the NHL next year, or are we looking at going back to juniors for your last year, um, a stint in the AHL, and then looking for these uh-huh. players in a year or two? Um, out of that tier, I have uh, Leah Anderson at number nine, who is a very smart, uh, dependable. Uh, physically, he's already a, a pretty stout guy. He's not doesn't have huge size, but he's 5'11", nearly 200 pounds. He just plays such an impressive game. I've watched him quite a bit in the SHL for HB71. Um, he just plays a pro-ready game. He, he's a player in that tier that I could see um, probably having the best chance of making the NHL, but he'll probably head back to the SHL for for another season. Um, In that tier, though, you have kind of an interesting hodgepodge. You you know, Leas Anderson, I think, is a real dependable two-way guy. He plays all three forward positions. Um, Martin Nikas is a a centerman out of the Czech Republic. Uh, Just plays really – plays a dynamic game. I really like, um, you know, the heavy load he had playing for the men's league and extra league. Uh, he's tiny though. He's 5'11 and 148 pounds. He's going to need time uh, to, to put on some, put on some meat. He's, I like his offensive upside though. I think, but he's a boomer bus guy. And then you have two snipers in that grouping as well. Ellie Tolvanen uh, with Sioux city and then Owen Tippett with Mississauga. Um, different types of players, but both of them have just been goal scoring machines, shooting machines. Um, just really, really great trigger men. Um, so right. But within that, um, that doesn't really address a, a whole heck of a lot for Buffalo outside of maybe, you know, a, a scoring winger. Um, but they need defense too. Yeah, for so, sure. You know, well, let me, let me, uh, let me take you down to the number 11 pick. LA Kings are near and dear to my heart, as you know. Are they hoping one of those two snipers you were just talking about comes down? Because, the, as you know, they've they, they've had went through their changes and they're going to be looking to play an up-tempo game and and reignite some scoring. So is that is that the kind of players that they're hoping come down to them at number 11? Um, I think so. You know, even in that next group, though, as far as dynamic – uh, players go, you have uh, Kaylor Yamamoto, who he's 5'8", 160 pounds. If he was 5'11", we would probably be talking about him in the top five. Um, he's an electric player. He's probably more of a, I would consider him more of a playmaking winger at the next level. So I don't know if that exactly fits in with the Kings. Um, but there's some players that have uh, some excellent ability uh, especially on the wing with Kristen Veselainen and Jared Anderson Dolan a little bit lower. Those are my 14 and 15. Um, so if one of those snipers doesn't slide, there's still some good offensive ability. Jared Anderson Dolan's been a, a real riser for me. I've been really impressed with him. He's been uh, the, the partner in crime to, to Yamamoto out there with uh, the Spokane Chiefs and the WHL. That's a player that I'm really bullish on. Um, and I see him as, as in the top half of this first round. Well, let me let me head over to Chris here for the uh, 
15th selection in the 2017 entry draft. What uh, what say you there, Chris? Oh, I actually had a different question. Uh, okay. Uh, I, 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 it's actually on Vegas. And, Zach, you know, on um, in your rankings, I, I don't have the latest one, so shame on me. It's been a crazy day. In your last rankings I have, you have one goalie ranked at the end of the first round in Jake Odinger. Right Now, Vegas, Vegas has the third pick in the second round, so – if he's still on the board, uh, and I would have to think that that's a real possibility, uh, it's going to be pretty hard for George McPhee not to take him. You know, goaltending, and, and you, I've, I've said it on this show before, you know, <laughs> forecasting goalies is the darkest of dark arts. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so difficult. Um, really, all of these guys, any goaltender, you're realistically looking – at best on a three-year window before you even have a, a chance at seeing what you've got. I really like Jake Ottinger. He is my number one goaltender that's available. He's the only goalie that uh, I have ranked in the first round, which I'm I'm generally not a goalie in the first round kind of guy. So I think that tells you a little bit more about the depth of this draft um, overall. But if he were to slide anywhere towards the, the – top of that second round, I think it's value at that point. And when you're starting from, you know, day day zero for Vegas, unless they're able to somehow land uh, Philip uh, Grovauer, uh, Matt Murray, and, you know, insert another young goalie here that's going to keep their pipeline, you know, jammed up uh, for the next five to ten years, you do have to really do some estate planning and try to find a goalie that's going to be hopefully ready for you that's developed in three to five years. I got one last one for you, uh, Zach. Is there a guy that you haven't mentioned that let's say you have a second-round grade on, that if, and granted, it's with a capital I and it's with a capital F, if this person hit their ceiling, uh, they could be, let's say, a first-line player. Do you have a person like that? If so, who it is? And is that someone Vegas should consider with the third pick of the second round? Probably a player that I I think is uh, a real swing for the fences. He's an overager is Morgan Geeky out of uh, Tri-City Americans. He's six foot two. He's about 180 pounds. He's going to have to add some muscle. His skating is okay, but the puck just seems to follow him everywhere. He just, you know, he's got that knack where he's reading the play, he's seeing the play, the puck it just seems to be around him or he's going towards it. Just a real interesting guy that has, you know, maybe a bit of a late bloomer. Um, he's really clicked. He was a, uh, a big part of the engine up there in Tri-City. Uh I really, you know, I really like what I see offensively. Uh, Defensively, he's still prone to a few lapses here and there, and his skating does need attention, but skating is probably one of the most fixable pieces. It's not so bad that it's broken. It just needs attention. Um, I have him at 41. So if, you know, Vegas gets a a little bit of a sweetener or wants a guy that's a little bit older um, and – Still projects, I think, really well 
with his size to contributing in a top nine role, but um, with some growth at the, you know, at the top of that ceiling for him to, to grow into, Morgan Geeky could be a guy that uh, they look, they take a look at. Okay, Zach, thank you so much for coming in to join us. Make sure you guys follow Zach on Twitter at Zachary underscore divine. If I have that right. Um, he, he does. Uh, no, it's, he uh, does. It, it, yeah, my, my Twitter handle is at Z-A-K-K-T-H-E-B-E-A-R, so at Zach the Bear. Uh, Zach the Bear, All my course. stuff you can find on Twitter. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, apologize for that. If, you're, if, you, if you do like San Jose Sharks, he's top-notch in the San Jose Sharks department, and as, as you guys could tell, listening to him break down the top end of this draft, he's way deep in, in the, the amateur ranks as well for – Dobbers prospects and hockey's prospects. So thank you, sir. We always appreciate having you on the show. Thank you for the Twitter shout out last week when you mentioned our podcast. We do, we do appreciate that, sir, as always. And we'll talk to you closer. We get to the draft. Maybe we'll update your final power rankings as we go into the draft. That'd be great. I always love joining you guys. Love the show. Look forward to it and have a, a great time. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Zach. All right. That, that was Zach DeBear from the hockey writers. And now let's bring in Dana Lane. Uh, Dana, worst they could possibly do, sir. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, that's okay. Snake eyes. Snake eyes. You will. Uh, it's okay. There's been some pretty good uh, number six picks. And, and uh, of course, Paul Coffey was number six. I think he worked out pretty well. Kachuk was six. And uh, Lindholm was six. So it, it's fine. I mean, look, it, you know, these outside of maybe Nolan Patrick, everybody's going to spend some time in the American Hockey League and develop anyway. So the fact of the matter is that uh, these guys are all just about the same. So let's go get a kid that uh, can look you in the eye that uh, that that you would put a label on as uh, this kid is a real hockey player and kind of the personality that we're looking for and, and kind of move on. But uh, I'm down at T-Mobile right now, and I know that when – uh, the sixth pick was announced. There was a collective groan, and uh, I was people were ask. not happy with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were not happy with that. But uh, but you know what? Uh, number six is not too bad. And like I told uh, a couple guys here, that automatically already means we're better than twenty five other teams. There you go. There you go. Now our previous guest, he does a lot of looking at the uh, amateur rankings, and the he has the first two players in in. Nico Hishire. Actually, he has Nico higher, uh, just an eyelash above Patrick at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next, and then the next group of four rounds out at number six with a player, uh, Cody Glass, I believe he said. Have, are you familiar exactly with that kid? Right. And have, is that who you have number it, six it, as well? That is exactly how I have his six. And in fact, um, his stock has been going up and. You know, well, like I, he's not. Uh, you'd like to put a little bit more weight on the kid. Uh, I think he's only just a bit over 175 now, um, and you don't know really how that equates. I mean, you could look at a kid like Yamayoto, and you have no idea how the fact that you know he's a smallish guy, how that's going to equate into the uh, NHL lifestyle. But you know, look, um, the kid certainly has upside. He uh, had 94 points in 60. 69 games, um, you know, comes out of the WHL and, you know, they, he's going to spend some time and ultimately most likely Chicago. So we'll, we'll see how, how he progresses. But I don't, I don't think any of these guys are going to make 
in Impact for a while. So if it wasn't number one, I didn't really care what the what the next number was going to be. It's about what we do with a kid, or uh, what they do with the kid at that time. And you know, so even if it goes down to Cody Glass, which you know his stock has rise has risen probably as much. Uh, maybe Casey uh, Casey Middlestad is probably the next one uh, next to him whose stock has gone up. But other than that, to me, it didn't matter if it was two through six. You get the kid and you make him into a hockey player and make him into a golden knight. And then uh, going farther down down the draft, they do hold the number three spot on the two through seven. So let me ask you this. if the, Since they did not get the one, maybe the two, um, what value would you see in moving back and picking up more assets, depending on the kind of deals that, that get made? Um you know, as they go towards the expansion draft, we're hearing more and more chatter about uh, we'll steer you towards this player for a second. Please don't take that guy for a third. Depending on the assets that he can accumulate going through that process, what what uh, what's the value in moving back, say, into an 11 or 12 if, uh, say, the Kings or Detroit do want to move up and they, they have a really heavy target on a player? Listen, all this is about is collecting assets. That's what this all is about. This is not the expansion draft is not about, is not about building your team. The amateur Correct. draft is at least this year is barely about building your team. Maybe somebody that's a nice third or fourth liner down the road, which is really where I project a lot of these guys to be. I, I don't even know if you look at Nolan Patrick, if he's a guy that you can say, yeah, he's going to make a, uh, an incredible impact. I know when he came back from injury, he absolutely you know, picked right up where he left off. But look, this is a guy that played 33 games. And I want, to, I want to see him get back to the form that he had two years ago when he completely dominated the WHL. I don't know where he's at right now. So, look, all these guys are – there's question marks next to all these guys, but I will tell you this. The only thing that George McPhee should be focused on and is probably focused on is collecting assets. And the more assets you got, the better off you're going to be. This is not what he has right now as far as – the, the 37, 38 players that are going to be uh, part of the nice organization at the end of June, none of these guys in, in three or four years, but maybe one is going to be here. These are just pawns in the game. So it really doesn't matter outside of Nolan Patrick who you get because everybody's on the table to be a pawn into game, in the game to get ultimately to where he wants to be. No, I, I agree with that. So don't be surprised if he does not hold hold court at the sixth spot and and does take a few steps back. Let me bring in Chris here. I know I know you're down at T-Mobile. I might uh, have a couple more questions for you. We got about five minutes left, Chris. Yeah. So Dana, you know, I think for the fran both for the franchise and who their first pick is going to be. Um, I think this could wind up being, in a weird way, a blessing in disguise from the standpoint of Agreed. Uh, there's not going to – I don't think there's going to be the pressure for the franchise for this first pick to be a superstar based on their picking six. And also for, you know, let's face it, an 18-year-old kid, say, okay, we're the new franchise, you're our first pick, go be an right. NHL superstar. So how do you feel about that kind of – that thought? No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely think it's a blessing in disguise. And, you know, just to kind of play off of what I, you know, kind of just said, I mean, even, look, 
if you get a guy like Michael Rasmussen, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I mean, my my knowledge of these guys is, is YouTube clips that are all fantastic. Okay, so I I have right. not sat and watched WHL hockey or Quebec Major Junior hockey, but what I do know this is I can take the measurables and say, well, this is what I think this kid might project to be. And you get a, you got a kid like Rasmussen who is already six six, he's two fifteen, could fill out maybe even more, maybe grow some more. It, that to me looks like an NHL body, but really analyzing these guys, unless this is what you do on a day in and day out basis, let's just see where they fall in the American Hockey League. Let's see what, you know, once we get some professional nutrition in these guys and, and get them on the National Hockey League regime, then we'll see what we got. But, but honestly, I'm looking for measurables at this point. I'm looking for guys that potentially could fill out and become bigger. Uh, Cody Glass, you know, he's a tall kid, but probably need, could could afford to put 10, 15 pounds of muscle on him. You know, but outside of Nolan Patrick, once again, these guys are all just pawns in the game. These Listen, I, I, McPhee, my, outside of number one, like you said, I mean, the, the smartest thing he would probably do is trade down to get draft picks. Get as many people in here as possible. And let's not also forget, you don't have to use those draft picks to draft people. You could use those draft picks to get free agents down the road. So, yes, absolutely, the more assets you gain, the better off this organization is going to be. Yeah, the one thing I would – I agree with what you're saying. The one thing is uh, I, I do look – and Zach brought up the point. Uh, I do look at in all sports, especially this weekend we have the NFL draft, uh, there are different points in time where, okay, this is where, you know, after the top 10 or top 15, the, t- the draft takes a step down or takes a step down after that. So uh, I would want a premium for that six pick because it seems like uh, uh, not that there's going to, you know, not that somebody outside of the top six cannot finish, uh, cannot be the third best player in the draft. But uh, like I said, they have a lot more questions on and, uh, I think Nico Hitchler is going yeah. to be a pretty special player. So I agree with your assessment. I would say it's the top two and then the next four. And then it comes down yeah. to yeah, what assets fine. are we talking What assets are we talking about? Uh, I, I brought up the caveat of, you know, if I'm McPhee and I'm trading at a six, uh, I, I would want either A, I can wind up with two first-rounders in this draft, or B, I'll slide down and I'll take some team's first rounder next year and then next year I'll have two first rounders and that is uh what the early work we had from Zach Fine on next year's draft is it's looking like a stupendous draft. So that would be right. my goal. That's what I would be looking for if I'm gonna move out of six. I mean, I don't know if I would want to move out of six to let's say twelve to get, you know, the thirty ninth pick and the fifty Right, right, right. For sure. Well, well, listen, so, Jordan uh, is not going to make any moves unless not only does he get the get the best of the deal, he's not going to make any moves unless he gets decidingly the best of the deal. So, no, it's not just, you know, let's have these guys to collect, uh, collect assets at, at whatever expense. Obviously, he wants something, and I think he's in a position, of course, you know, obviously with the expansion draft as well coming up, I mean, he's at a fantastic position to get everything that he wants from that from, from teams that are probably, uh, you know, probably don't want certain players taken. And he can now uh, utilize his six pick if he wants to throw that in. 
Over to you, Mark. Yeah, well, we got a lot of moving parts here. I, I you know, every time I think we're getting set to to maybe yeah. kind of look at this thing, <coughs> um, excuse me, like today, Scotty Darling off the off the list. He went to Carolina for a pick. <clears throat> um, anybody who was looking at Chicago for a goalie, um, you know that that's out the window now. So a lot of moving parts that still, and and you know what, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Um, before we even get into that, but the the Vegas the Vegas pick is in. We're gonna go number six unless they move um, some second third line talent maybe on the top end uh, available at that pick, and we'll just have to. I guess all we can say is we have to wait and see how it goes. Um, we got thirty seconds left, Dana. We appreciate you coming in in the odd hour. Next week we'll be back at our regular time, eleven uh, thirty Saturday morning. So Dana, Chris, until then. Thanks, guys, and we're gone. Hi, right, guys, thank you.